0: Good morning, Alex and friends. Today is Tuesday, June 20th, 2023, and you're listening to Alex's News. On today's episode of Alex's News, we'll start with the weather forecast. Get ready, Riverside, because it's going to be a beautiful day with a high of 82.8 degrees and a low of 61.6. Now, let's dive into our top stories. First up, a shocking development in the world of submersibles. A Titan submersible has gone missing during a dive to explore the Titanic wreck. This incident has sparked an intensive search and rescue operation, causing concern and speculation among experts. Next, we'll take a closer look at an ongoing ideological fight that has entangled various political topics. Conservative pushback against the Housing First policy has ignited a heated debate. This controversy is not only impacting housing policies, but also shaping the overall political landscape. Switching gears to international news, Ukraine is making headlines with its army of drones. These unmanned aerial vehicles are shifting the balance of power against the Russian Air Force, potentially altering the dynamics in the region. We'll bring you the latest updates on this significant development. Lastly, We can't forget about keeping an eye on the weather as Tropical Storm Brett gains strength in the Caribbean. As it poses a potential threat to the Eastern Caribbean, authorities are closely monitoring its movements. Stay tuned for the most recent information on this tropical system. That wraps up our preview for today, folks. Get ready for a riveting episode of Alex's News, delivering the latest updates on the missing Titan submersible, the ideological fight surrounding the Housing First policy, Ukraine's army of drones, and the potentially dangerous tropical storm brett. Stay informed by staying tuned. Our top story today brings us to the depths of the Atlantic Ocean, where a submersible used for Titanic touring, known as Titan and operated by Ocean Gate Expeditions, has gone missing. To give us more details on this developing story, we have our news reporter, Antony, with us. Antony, can you give us an overview of the current situation?
1: Certainly, Connie. This submersible, Titan, measuring 21 feet in length, lost all communication with its control center during a dive, and that prompted a large-scale search and rescue operation. Right now, the U.S. Coast Guard is collaborating with Canada's Coast Guard, armed forces, government agencies, and commercial deep-sea firms to find the missing submersible.
0: It's a challenging situation indeed. Can you tell us more about the efforts being made to locate the submersible?
1: Absolutely, Connie. Rear Admiral John Mauger of the U.S. Coast Guard has informed us that search and rescue teams are utilizing aircraft and sonar devices to scan the ocean for any indications of the vessel. However, the search operation is taking place in a very remote area, which adds to the difficulty. Furthermore, the identities of the people on board have not been disclosed, but steps are being taken to inform their families about the situation.
0: The efforts to find the missing crew are certainly in full swing. And Tony, can you shed some light on Ocean Gate Expeditions and their role in resolving this situation?
1: Of course, Connie. Ocean Gate Expeditions is actively mobilizing all available resources to bring the crew back safely. It's worth mentioning that this is not the first submersible they've lost, which highlights the challenges of navigating in the deep sea without the aid of GPS or radio signals. In such circumstances, the submersible heavily relies on directions sent by the control center.
0: Thank you for that information, Antoni. Now tell us more about the purpose of the submersible's dive and the people on board.
1: Certainly, Connie. The missing submersible was on a tourist dive to the wreckage of the Titanic, which lies at a depth of 3,800 meters, the eight-day trip costing $250,000 per ticket was designed to offer individuals the opportunity to explore the historic site and document the deterioration of the Titanic. Equipped with high-definition cameras and sonar equipment, the submersible aimed to capture detailed images of the wreckage and study the underwater ecosystem that develops around shipwrecks. On board were one pilot and four mission specialists including Pakistani businessman Shazada Dawood, his son, and U.K. billionaire businessman Hamish Harding.
0: It's an unfortunate turn of events for these individuals on an expedition of such significance. How is the search operation progressing in terms of location and resources?
1: The search is being conducted approximately 1,450 kilometers east of the Cape Cod Peninsula in water depths of around 3,900 meters. To intensify the search, the joint operation involving the U.S. and Canadian rescue ships and planes has added the use of sonoboys, which will assist in monitoring the area. Due to the challenging conditions and remote location, the entire operation necessitates meticulous coordination and extensive resources.
0: It sounds like a challenging operation indeed, Antoni. As we wrap up, Is there anything else you'd like to add about the ongoing search and rescue operation?
1: Absolutely, Connie. Efforts are underway to retrieve the missing submersible as quickly as possible while prioritizing the safety and well-being of the crew. This incident serves as a stark reminder of the risks associated with deep-sea exploration and the importance of thorough preparations when embarking on such expeditions. As the search continues, hopes remain high for a successful rescue and recovery operation.
0: Thank you so much for that detailed report, Antoni. We're grateful for the information you've provided, and let's hope for a positive outcome in this delicate situation. Welcome back to our morning news podcast. Our second story today focuses on the federal policy on homelessness, known as Housing First, which is currently facing some conservative backlash. To provide us with more details on this issue, we have our dedicated reporter, Ellie, joining us. Ellie, what can you tell us about the current situation with Housing First? Thanks, Connie. The federal policy on homelessness, Housing
2: First, has recently become a target for conservative lawmakers and think tanks who are pushing to loosen its grip on federal funding. Critics of the policy argue that it fails to address the underlying issues that contribute to homelessness, such as substance abuse and unemployment. Instead, they advocate for a shift in resources towards programs that prioritize sobriety and employment
0: as prerequisites for assistance interesting so it seems like there is a disagreement between those who support housing first and those who oppose it could you please explain in more depth what arguments the supporters of this policy are making absolutely supporters of housing first firmly believe that this policy
2: saves lives they argue that providing a stable and secure home for homeless individuals should be the first step to addressing other challenges they face by focusing on securing housing they argue Individuals are then better positioned to tackle their underlying issues, whether it's substance abuse or unemployment. For them, Housing First is an essential strategy to break
0: the cycle of homelessness. I see. It's clear that there are differing views on the matter. Now, Ellie, can you tell us why Housing First has become a target, specifically for conservatives, and what ideological fight has been sparked?
2: Certainly, Connie. Housing First has become a target for conservatives primarily because they believe that the policy fails to address the root causes of homelessness effectively. They argue that simply providing housing without addressing underlying issues perpetuates dependency and prevents individuals from becoming self-sufficient. This has sparked an ideological fight between those who emphasize the importance of immediate shelter and those who prioritize long-term solutions.
0: Thank you for that explanation, Ellie. Now, I understand the article also mentioned some other political topics alongside this issue. Could you briefly touch on those?
2: Yes, absolutely. The article discusses various other political topics, such as ethical concerns surrounding a real estate deal involving former President Trump, the Republican Party's stance on abortion, Attorney General Barr's criticism of Trump, legal cases involving Trump's documents, the ongoing U.S.-China rivalry, And the political impact of an anti vaccine activist. These topics were mentioned to highlight the broader political landscape that intersects with the discussion on homelessness policy.
0: Thank you, Ellie, for shedding light on the nuanced aspects of this story. Your analysis helps us understand the implications of the federal policy on homelessness and the current debate surrounding Housing First. We appreciate your insights.
2: Thank you, Connie. It was my pleasure to provide the details on this complex issue.
0: Welcome back to our morning news podcast. In our next segment, we have a fascinating story about Ukraine's strategic response to counter the Russian military's formidable Air Force. Joining us today is our news reporter, Arnold, who has been following this story closely. Arnold, can you give us an introduction to the current situation?
3: Absolutely, Connie. Ukraine has successfully developed what they are calling an army of drones as a collaborative effort involving the military, government, and private groups. Spearheaded by Deputy Prime Minister Mikhailo Fedorov, this project aims to equip Ukraine with a significant military force capable of combating the Russian threat.
0: That's quite impressive, Arnold. Can you tell us more about the key achievements of this army of drones?
3: Certainly, Connie. One of the primary achievements of the Army of Drones has been its ability to neutralize the danger posed by Russian fighter jets. Ukraine's air defenses have shot down numerous Russian planes, forcing Russia to ground its air fleet. This initial success has significantly diminished the immediate threat posed by Russia's formidable air force. That's certainly a major accomplishment. How else
0: have drones been utilized by Ukraine?
3: Drones have proven to be a valuable asset not only for air defense, but also for reconnaissance and attacks on Russian troops. While drones may not possess the same level of firepower as conventional fighter jets, they have granted Ukraine a crucial combat advantage. These small drones, including some off-the-shelf models, have allowed Ukrainian forces to closely monitor and disrupt Russian military activities on the ground.
0: It seems like drones are playing a crucial role for Ukraine. Can you tell us more about the training programs for drone pilots?
3: Absolutely, Connie. To expand the capabilities of the Army of Drones, private groups have participated in training drone pilots. An extraordinary effort led to the training of 10,000 drone pilots in the past year alone. Going forward, plans are in place to train another 10,000 pilots within the next six months. The leader of a private drone training program called RAVEN, Anton Frolov, has mentioned that drone pilots can be sufficiently trained in just one week. This rapid training has enabled Ukraine to quickly build a sizable force of skilled drone operators.
0: That's impressive progress. I'm curious, where are these drones coming from, and has Russia tried to counter Ukraine's drone program?
3: Ukraine's strategy relies on a mix of cutting-edge military drones, largely sourced from the United States and Turkey, as well as popular consumer-grade Chinese models. This combination allows Ukraine to utilize advanced military technology while taking advantage of the accessibility and availability of commercial drones. However, Russia has attempted to counter Ukraine's drone program by employing electronic jamming technology. The use of jamming has effectively limited the flight range and duration of Ukrainian drones. Nevertheless, Ukraine has responded by actively developing software to counter and prevent Russian jamming.
0: Interesting dynamics there, Arnold. Are there any other peculiarities or factors worth mentioning regarding Ukraine's drones?
3: Absolutely, Connie. Despite some logistical challenges related to the variety of drone systems from different manufacturers that Ukraine currently uses, drones have proven to be a life-saving tool for Ukrainian soldiers. The Army of Drones has successfully rescued Ukrainian troops from dangerous situations while providing critical reconnaissance data, The effectiveness of drones in these tasks has reinforced their importance in Ukraine's arsenal.
0: That's truly remarkable. Have we seen any response from Russia in terms of their own drone usage?
3: Yes, Connie. While Russia has also utilized military drones known as shahids, their effectiveness has been significantly less impressive compared to Ukraine's drones. Ukraine has been successful in shooting down a substantial number of Russian Shod drones, shifting the balance of power in the skies. Conversely, Russia has relied on electronic jamming as a defensive mechanism against Ukrainian drones, highlighting their recognition of the threat posed by the Army of Drones.
0: Fascinating developments. Before we wrap up, are there any plans to enhance drone production within Ukraine?
3: Absolutely, Connie. Ukraine currently relies on external sources for military drones, but plans are underway to bolster domestic drone production to meet the increasing demand from the military. Currently, Ukraine has a mixture of drone systems acquired from various manufacturers. However, the government is actively working to streamline and enhance drone production for more efficient and effective deployment.
0: Thank you, Arnold, for providing us with such a comprehensive analysis of this story. It's truly impressive to see how drones have become a critical tool for Ukraine in countering the Russian military's air power.
3: Thank you, Connie. It's been my pleasure to share this story with our listeners.
0: And that concludes our discussion on Ukraine's Army of Drones. We'll be back with our final story right after this break. Welcome back, everyone. We have an update on Tropical Storm Brett, which is currently heading towards the Eastern Caribbean. Joining us now is our reporter, Jenna, with all the details. Jenna, can you give us an overview of the current situation?
4: Thank you, Connie. Yes. Tropical Storm Brett is indeed approaching the eastern Caribbean, and forecasters are warning that it has the potential to strengthen into a hurricane. Currently, the storm has maximum sustained winds of 40 miles per hour.
0: Wow, so it's looking quite worrisome. Can you tell us which islands are expected to be affected by the storm? Absolutely, Connie. The storm is projected to hit some eastern Caribbean
4: islands on Thursday and Friday. While the National Hurricane Center predicts that Brett will weaken before reaching the Lesser Antilles, the Meteorological Service in Dominica has issued a high-threat warning. They are concerned about potential landslides, flooding, and waves
0: as high as 12 feet. That sounds quite dangerous. Is there any advice for residents in those areas?
4: Yes, the Hurricane Center is urging residents in the Lesser Antilles, Puerto Rico, and the Virgin Islands to closely monitor the storm and have their hurricane plans in place. They should be prepared for strong winds, heavy rainfall, and other associated hazards. There is also a possibility of Brett making landfall in southern Haiti as a tropical storm.
0: It's unusual to have such an active hurricane season this early, isn't it?
4: Absolutely, Connie. This is quite an unusual start to the Atlantic hurricane season. Brett is only the second hurricane to form in the tropical Atlantic in June in almost a century— The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration has already predicted a potentially active hurricane season this year, with a range of 12 to 17 named storms. Among these storms, 5 to 9 are expected to become hurricanes.
0: That's a sobering forecast. Are there any specific factors contributing to this active season?
4: Yes, meteorologists, like Stephanie Zick from Virginia Tech, are suggesting that we may see an above-average number of rapidly intensifying storms this season. This is attributed to warmer sea surface temperatures, which provide the necessary energy for storm development and strengthening. Residents in hurricane-prone areas need to be prepared and stay vigilant.
0: That's definitely something to keep in mind. Are there any other elements we should consider?
4: Yes, Connie. In addition to tropical storm brett, there is another tropical disturbance trailing behind it, Currently, there is a 60% chance of this disturbance forming a cyclone. This adds another level of uncertainty to the current situation, further emphasizing the need for ongoing
0: monitoring and preparation. Absolutely. We need to stay on top of this situation. Speaking of preparation, what are the most significant threats that hurricanes and tropical storms bring?
4: Historically, flooding has caused the most fatalities during tropical storms, so it's vital for individuals and communities to have plans in place to mitigate the risk of flooding and ensure the safety of those in vulnerable areas.
0: Very important information. Thanks for highlighting that, Jenna. Overall, what should residents and authorities do to protect themselves?
4: It is crucial for residents and authorities to stay updated on the latest forecasts from meteorological agencies They should heed their advice and be prepared for the potential impacts of this storm and any others that may arise during this hurricane season. By doing so, they can better protect themselves and their communities.
0: Thank you, Jenna, for sharing those details with us. We appreciate your insights on this developing situation.
4: You're welcome, Connie. Stay safe, everyone.
0: Thank you, Jenna, and thank you all for joining us. Stay tuned for more updates as the situation unfolds. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made with ChatGPT, 11 labs and a program written by you. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.